Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, Soonerscoop.com's Carrie Murdoch joins us to talk some OU football. We discuss Taylor Tatum's commitment and we give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's beautiful Monday, July 24th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Eichard and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games, with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of July, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this on Sunday afternoon, and I timed my coffee for this Perfectly. We are buzzing, baby. Maybe a little over caffeinated. Let's go, Layman. Come on, man. Oh, uh, that's good. That's good. You're you're ramping up the caffeine high. Perfect timing. That's good. Yes. Yes. Now, couple orders of business. If you would like to sponsor, if you'd like to advertise on the podcast during football season, you can email us at the Oklahoma Breakdown at gmail.com and we'll get you all the information. And then some programming notes. We've got some vacations coming up. Ted is taking the one vacation he takes a year, seemingly. <laughs> so we've got Carrie, Mar- Carrie Murdoch, our buddy on today, talk about SEC Media Days, some OU football. Then we've got Andy Staples, right? One of the most well-respected national college football writers. writers. He will be on Wednesday's episode. Neil Brown, the head football coach for West Virginia, is scheduled to join us this week. So that should be on Sunday's episode. And I believe also this week we are going to record an interview with the one and only Danny Stutzman before training camp gets started for the Sooners. So vacation's coming up, but we got a lot going on still, baby. Love it. 
Yep. Good stuff. Good uh, cast of characters going to be making their way through uh, the pod here over the next uh, couple of weeks. It's going to be fun. Gearing up for the season, man. We're getting close. Yeah. Getting close. And man, some exciting news over the weekend for Oklahoma football. And that's where we'll start. The number one running back in the class of 2024, Taylor Tatum, chooses Oklahoma over USC. Now, before we dive into the skill set, right, what, what we see on the highlights, Ted, this has to be one of the most satisfy, satisfying recruiting wins for OU fans in quite some time, right? We don't, we don't have to pretend it's not, right? It just, it that one felt real good for OU fans. Yeah, yeah, it did. You know, five-star running back, it's been a while, right? Number one running back in the class. And as this thing whittled down, there was good news from Oklahoma, felt like for several weeks now. Um, but, hey, he's got his final two. It's Oklahoma and USC, right? And uh, that's a head-to-head one that there was a lot on the line and you didn't want to take the L uh, whenever it came to that recruiting battle uh, because there's going to be some relentless trolling online, I'm sure. So, yeah, it was big. And, you know, I – the SEC is a big factor in that. The relationships at Oklahoma, DeMarco Murray is a huge factor in that. All in all, just a, a really, really good win. And, you know, it's it feels like it's been a slow recruiting cycle this year. I, it's just been, I guess, the, the wins and the commitments have been spaced out quite a bit. But things shaping up to look really, really good. Yeah. And, you know, before we dive into the football side of things for Tatum, Got to give Skip Johnson a lot of credit, right? His ability to work with Brent Venables in the football staff and kind of tag team this recruitment, right? That that was a huge piece of it, right? Because SEC, playing baseball in the SEC is a big deal, right? So there's no doubt OU's move to the Southeastern Conference is a massive reason, maybe the main reason that Tatum chose the Sooners, but it is... I mean, it's important to acknowledge just how awesome Skip Johnson is. We love that. We love that guy. But man, you're right. It's a big win for Demarco Murray. And, and remember, Demarco could have gone to USC, right? The offer was on the table, but he's he chose to stay at the alma mater. And man, it's got to feel really good for him to get that head-to-head win over the Trojans for Tatum and this guy. And rankings don't mean everything, right? But I was trying to think about it. De- DeMarco really, he hasn't been at OU that long as a coach. And, and when I was thinking about it, this has got to be the most talented guy he will have coached. Yeah. 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 It, I, I mean, and that is, that is not insignificant. Like that, is, that is a big win for DeMarco Murray and obviously a big win for OU. Yeah. Uh, it's huge. And I think that, I think that the running back position group is kind of um, just a microcosm of the overall roster. There's starting to become more and more depth. I, you look at a bunch of position groups across the board, and I, I think Bill Beatonbow has, has said about Tyler Guyton may, that maybe he's the most talented player he's ever been able to coach. All right, now, DeMarco Murray, this is going to be the most talented player that he's coached. 
Um, you know, you just start to look at that and for what we've had here recently, there we're starting to get some of those guys on the roster. So it's, it's taken some time, but they're, they're getting there. And, you know, I, I've said this a bunch about DeMarco, but I fully believe it. He was really put behind the eight ball throughout the whole COVID situation whenever he first took the job at OU and wasn't able to get out and use his star power. And, you know, the the way that he works the room, I'm so impressed with him, how personable he is and how he goes and, and meets everyone and, and talks to everyone. Just a really, really good guy that – is I think starting to find his groove in this college football thing and his role in it. And you can tell by the players that he's bringing in. Yeah. Tatum, the highest ranked running back prospect that OU's gotten in. I know he still hasn't signed, right? But when it's, when it's down to two schools and you commit to one of them, usually that's where you're going to end up, especially when you're playing two sports, right? So feeling good about Tatum uh, signing once signing day rolls around, but he's, He's the highest ranked running back prospect since Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. That is, time. yeah, it's big time. And you know, you watch the highlights. Just looking at him as a player, you clearly see the quickness he's got, the speed. You know, just from the highlights, uh, displays some good patience, and looks like he has a nice understanding already of how to use blocks. But the clips I like are when he is he's lined up in the slot and just running deep routes as a wide receiver and looking very natural catching the football in some of those situations. That makes you wonder. You see a guy that has all of that in his skill set. You're the wheels start spinning on how Jeff Levy can use this guy. So that's where that he's a five star for a reason, right? He's got a lot of physical gifts, but man, if you can if you can do it all, you know, getting handed the ball out of the backfield, but also line up with receiver and run routes that way and catch the football the way that he can catch the football, that those guys are dangerous. Those are what you call weapons. Yeah. And I'm not exactly sure that there's a science to how baseball and football translate across sports, but I got to imagine that being a top baseball player comes with having pretty good ball skills really good eye-hand coordination both hitting playing out in the field and I think that translates to tracking down the football if you're um, a running back that's that's out in the slot that's catching it I think those those skills translate a little bit so that's where it's going you know I the days of the it's just not completely dead that you have just the gigantic running back that's a between the tackles guy that you just feed over and over it's more about versatility now at the running back position, being able to do a bunch of different things. And with his, uh, with his physique and his physical talents, it looks like that's exactly what's he, what he's geared to do. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. You mentioned the physique, like he, he looks the part, right? Five ten ish, five ten and a half, two hundred 200 ish pounds. Right. And I still think, there's a lot of untapped physical potential there. That And that's one of the things I like about him. He's not a super muscled up, like you look like you've already tapped every ounce of potential out of the guy. Like that's, or at least that's not how he looks to me from the video I've seen and the pictures I've seen. He still looks pretty lean. So you think about what he could end up being physically 
and what that could, you know, what that could mean for what he is athletically. God doesn't look like he's filled out his frame. So the, clearly the talent is there, but it does make you wonder like what the pen, potential can be after he adds more weight strength on that frame with Jerry Schmidt. I, I mean, just, I, I would rather have a guy that like that, as opposed to, Oh, you know, it kind of already looks fully developed, right? That, that, that makes me wonder, okay, what can this guy be, even though he's already as talented as he is. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah. And I like, I like his size. You know, I, there's a bunch of good running backs that are taller, but I think it's, I think it's probably more consistent with the running back that's in his size range. You know, the taller you get, the harder it is to get your pads low. It's just, just, you know, you can carry more weight. Uh, you can be a little bit bigger, but I think at this size, you can, you can have more punch. Uh, you can run with lower pads. I think it makes it easier to change direction. Um, now, there's there's some drawbacks, but it's not like he's he's not small. Um, I I think the size is about perfect. I mean, probably going to end up. Now, this guy was a end up being an absolute freak and jacked as hell. But kind of reminds me of like a Rodney Rodney Anderson type of build whenever he first showed up. So. I don't know. I I think um uh, think some good things could happen with what he's got talent wise. Yeah, and we we've talked a lot about Brent Venables and the staff recruiting to the move to the SEC. And this was one of it really was one of the first ones, not because you land the number one running back in the country, right? It was really one of the first times where I went, Oh damn, this guy's not gonna play in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Class of 2024, he, oh, he is going to, uh, I mean, he's going to be an SEC football player. And yep. it got me, it got me thinking about, you know, what it means to have top talent at the skill positions in the SEC, especially at the running back position. Now, going into that league, we've talked about it a lot. Like, you got to win at the line of scrimmage. There's just, 
there there is nothing that is going to coordinate to success in that conference more than good of line line of scrimmage play, right? But having top talent at the running back position with how important it is is it's going to be to run the football in that league. I mean, that is that's huge. And when I looked at it, I was like, dang, number one running back in the country. And oh yeah, he's never he's never gonna know what it's like when it comes to life in the Big 12. He's an SEC guy. It's still it's still taking me some time to process all of this. Yeah, it is strange. And you know, that's that's one of the things that Vittable said, you know, whenever that schedule came out, who's talking about you think we're not gonna be plastering this up on the Jumbotron this weekend when they've got all those recruits in? Absolutely. And we've known that there's going to be a boost coming in uh, recruiting whenever it comes to the SEC stuff. And you heard Tatum say exactly that. And it matters. And I think it's going to continue to help us. Uh, You're right though. Line of scrimmage is, uh, you could do some things with great skill position players. You can, but the consistency is not going to be what it is. If you don't replicate this type of success on the line of scrimmage, whenever it comes to recruiting and kind of feels like they are, Kind of feels like they're they're about to like bust this thing open on the defensive line, and this like if they end up getting not even all of the guys that they're according to the experts leading on right now, if they just get a majority of them, could be the greatest defensive line haul in recruiting that Oklahoma's had in as long as anyone can remember. Yeah, ever. Ever. Uh, if you're if you're looking at recruiting, other rankings, than the right? year the Selman brothers showed up. Yeah. Now, what, Williams, Winery, David Stone, Nigel Smith, all still yet to make their decisions, but it it feels like there's so much excitement around the program, and that's that's another thing about, about the Taylor Tatum commitment. Other, other recruits notice when the number one player at a position in the class is going in a certain place. Right? It just yep. – it's something that every other big-time recruit notices. Right? They go, okay. And it's not just the 2024 class, it's 2025, 2026, right? And he's there in the state of Texas at Longview. Like that, that gets people talking. Like, oh, okay. OU's OU's in the mix like that now. And that, that's that's huge. So I am they land the number one overall player in Winery. I I think people are already noticing out there, like coaching staffs are noticing. But you land the number one overall player and get the ink to the paper, I think everyone's going to recognize, and that will be a really good sign moving forward for Oklahoma. No doubt. Last thing on Tatum, I just think when you think about how the physicality is going to ramp up in the SEC, and I'm not saying the Big 12 is in a physical conference. It is. But the size, the caliber of athletes in the SEC – Right. All I got to do is look at the NFL draft numbers. It's it's just a league that has bigger humans than the Big 12. Right? Just, it's just the truth. So having, having elite talent at the running back position, right? not only like holding up to the pounding that you're going to take from defenses in that league, but man, sometimes you're going to lose the battle at the line of scrimmage. And you need a back back there that can do something special when there's nothing there. But that happens in football. That happens, you know, guys that go and play in the NFL, you you understand that. You understand that more when you get to that level, right? Where you're not just 
knocking the hell out of everyone and creating two or three yards of push at the line of scrimmage. That's not going to happen every time in the SEC. So you need you need some really talented backs to go make some things happen when there's not a lot there. And I feel like I feel like they think Tatum is that dude. So that's I know there's a lot to unpack with what we just went through, but man, it's bottom line is it's exciting. It's exciting yep. news. And last thing I'll say about it is the we heard Venables talking about competitive depth. The I think the running back room is really getting there. And that's not even counting him, like just with what they've got right now. And, and that's another thing in, in the SEC. Uh, it, and it, it is in the Big 12. It will matter. But the depth, whenever you lose a good player at a position, um, when you've got a roster to where it doesn't kill you, and, I mean, you're always going to notice whenever a superstar is out. But whenever the next guy that steps in is a former five-star recruit, young guy, like, we're we're getting to a point at some positions to where the backups are highly recruited players that, you know, have a chance to go in and maybe bloom themselves as, as, uh, as stars. And that's what you got to have. Yeah. And then – you hope that everything that this staff you know, preaches when you're talking about the development piece, caring for these guys off the field, all the programmatic stuff they put in place, you hope that helps you retain a lot of these guys that they have now brought in that are as talented as they are. So it all works together. It yep. all works together. But I know this, landing the number one running back in the country is a good thing. It's a good Huge. thing. Huge thing. All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys the most important thing that happened this weekend for OU football. There are a lot of Taylor Tatum responses, but I I love this one, and it comes from Bailey Hada, H-A-D-A, Hada? Hada? Hada. I'm going with Hada. And he said, or she said, the Coach V212 Ladies Clinic. What an amazing culture Coach Venables is creating. Ted, I know this is an event you absolutely love, the uh, the 212 Foundation there for Coach Venables. Ladies Clinic was there uh, in Norman this week. It looked like a blast. Yeah. Uh, my wife was there. She loved it. She said it was a good time. And Soul Mission, man, there's, there's a – they're selling the moms on the sole mission, and and that's a good thing. I think everyone, like, showing a little bit behind the scenes what these players go through and, and the development and, and coaching and teaching that they're getting behind the scenes and, you know, the nutrition and the, you know, the meetings and the study, just being able to see behind the scenes I think is, is great to expose some more people to that. And you get the moms on your side, you've got something good rolling. You're smart. You women are powerful, man. You want them on your side. That's right. There, there's no doubt about it. now. That is that continues to be something that Venables is huge on, right? Guy's got a lot of energy, man. Trying to build an SEC football team now, trying to get ready for this season, clearly. But you know, being able to, it seems like he really pours a lot of energy into the foundation stuff. Yep. No, you can tell that it's pretty. It's not just something that they throw together. This is a, a, a clinic with 
you know, they had a bunch of the players there, a bunch of the coaches were there, coaches' wives, a bunch of the behind the scenes people there. And um, the fact that they put that much into, into a women's clinic, I, it, it should give you a good indication of how much they put into the rest of the stuff that's going on there. Everything's intentional. And again, they're just continue to try to build the right relationships, both in the facility and outside as well. It's good stuff. Yeah. This other response comes from Sooner Girl 05, who says General Booty making number one in the CFB all name team, <laughs> which is one of my favorite things. This this is the one from 24-7 Sports. We've got General Booty as the quarterback. We've got, oh, this is an awesome one. Florida Atlantic, or excuse me, Florida International tied in. Rowdy Beers. Wow. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> oh, the UCS kicker, Colton Boomer. That's Boomer a good, for a kicker. I like that's that. That's a fantastic kicker name. Um, Chief Borders, linebacker for Nebraska. Memorable Factor, linebacker for Duke. Is that real? That I mean, it wouldn't be on the list if it wasn't oh. real, right? got to be a memorable factor uh, if you want to accomplish anything. That's funny. Louisville defensive back, Storm Duck. Storm's a good one. That's good. (laughs) Wait, some of these, they're hard to believe. We've got a defensive back from UCA, dude, person. (laughs) What? (laughs) Go go check out the full list. This is the uh, CFB all-name team. There that uh twenty four seven sports has put out pretty good stuff. All right, let's talk to our birdie or birdie birdie. That's not a buddy. There we buddy. go. I think I combined carry and buddy to birdie. I yeah. think that's what just happened there. That's all right. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's talk to our buddy Carrie Murdoch. But first, loves travel stops is now offering a nationwide ten cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Loves Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Loves Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Loves Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves Travel Stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. It is the best place to get your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. And use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, you hungry out there? Well, then head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. The food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, here's the man, Carrie Murdoch. It is our pleasure to be joined by one of the morning animals. He is also, he's the big guy over there at Soonerscoop.com. Carrie Murdoch is in the house. What's going on, buddy? 
Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, I promised Teddy less bidet talk on this this appearance. As, as <laughs> I remember last time, that was the talk of the town. <laughs> yeah, well, no, let's get a bidet update. Let's start there. It How was we, difficult still going being strong? in. It was difficult being in Nashville for four days without the bidet. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Um, I I missed it. I don't feel like the SEC is a bidet conference for whatever reason. I don't know about that, Teddy. I mean, really? they're at everything. I mean, they're they're okay. uh, they're kind of hoity-toity. I I will say this, like, and I know you probably want to ask questions. I'm just going into it. Uh, I was I came away from that thing thinking, like, okay, like this is a different. This is set up as almost a league above a, a different sport, almost like it's not the NFL but it seems to be run a little bit more like the NFL than anything I've ever experienced. Just from, just from all the stuff that goes into it, all the resources, like more of a commercialized affair. I mean, the thing that really is an advantage, which I didn't realize going in is, you know, they, the sec has one broadcast partner, one rights partner ESPN. And that makes such a difference because ESPN it's obvious they put all their weight behind the SEC. Like it was, you know, you're there for four days. It's basically a live television program with all these different programming shows on, uh, whether it's, you know, Dari, you know, leading things at the, at the desk or uh, Paul Feinbaum having his show. Uh, but just all these people coming in and out. And it was just fascinating to me because I was like, wow, ESPN is really kind of corporatized a conference here. Uh, by by making it a professional, basically entity all of its own. So I, I know you guys were able to ask a lot of questions. And what what was the overall feel you got from coaches and players you were able to talk to about OU coming into the conference next season? Now, it's still a year off, but I saw you guys were able to ask quite a few people about it. Yeah. And, you know, I almost got to, to feel to feeling where it was orchestrated to where they told all the coaches coming in, like, make sure that you throw out the red carpet, like make sure that you don't say anything disparaging about this league in comparison to what they've been playing in. Make sure you say that you, this, that these two teams make us better because that was the overall sentiment from everyone that you talked to. There was no, I don't know how it's going to work out. You know, Texas hadn't exactly been doing well in the big 12 and I don't know if they're going to be able to compete here. It was, these are two premier programs. They come into our league and they make us better. And there was even a moment with Shane Beamer, like Shane Beamer loves Oklahoma. Uh, Like he, he said, he was talking about coming to play in Norman. uh, And he basically said, there's nothing like it. And then he caught himself and he was like, Oh shit, I'm the coach of South Carolina. Like, (laughs) Uh, I can't be saying stuff like that. And he's like, I'm, I'm spoken. It was funny. Uh, you know, and some people click baited it, but you know, it, it, it was what it was, but you could tell Shane Beaver still has a lot of affection for his time at Oklahoma. Yeah. So it was kind of a weird dynamic, you know, gearing up for this year. And then, you know, the, the Oklahoma and Texas media, they're covering really what's going to be next year, but it had to be done, right. You have to kind of get the reaction to, to all of those things like what what was the overall presence of Oklahoma and Texas media was there a lot of people down there uh there was we had three people there uh I think we were the only website um and then the Oklahoman was there uh through they had a stringer in in uh, uh Tyler who used to work here now lives in Nashville 
uh, it, Paul, Tyler Paul Mateer, uh, and then Eric Bailey was there from the Tulsa World, and Eli Letterman was there. Uh, they kind of switched off coverage there. So, you know, there were, I think News 9 was there. Um, I think they were the only, t- and, and the OU Daily crew with Nate Fakin uh, were out there as well. So, I mean, it was it was more than, I think, Texas sent, you know, Texas media beat people sent. So, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty constant. I mean, we were, we were talking to Greg Sankey. We were interviewing him and, and Andy Staples and uh, Dari Noka and, and, and Ryan McGee. And, and so, I mean, there was a big national presence there, uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, it was for us, it was just kind of a, we had nothing better to do. It's a little bit of a dress rehearsal. We'll figure out what this is all about, how, how it differs from big 12. And you, you always learn a few new things for planning purposes for next year. Um, but you know, it, I felt like Oklahoma was pretty well represented. Now, Even did, they weren't there. did you, did you get the sense that like people feel differently about OU coming into the conference than they do about Texas? It, it seems like there appears to be, I, I don't want to say more respect for Oklahoma, but that just, that's just kind of how it feels to be now. I'm being exposed to way more OU content than Texas content, but did you get that sense at all? Well, it, I mean, kind of. And, and, you know, they they had the video and, and they they included Texas and OU in their like introduction video. Uh, and they showed, you know, Vince Young scoring a touchdown in the in the national championship game against USC. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, yeah, it was like they almost went out of their way to make it sure that Texas was included. When I think most people, when they think about, you know, tough teams they think about the Heisman trophies that Oklahoma has won recently they think about the the fact that they've been in the college football playoffs they know that although you know no one expects Oklahoma I don't think to come in and dominate you know in in, on the same level at Georgia and Alabama I think they they really feel like Oklahoma is a team that's going to be a tough you know a tough team to play each and every week versus you you know where Texas I think people still don't know I mean I, I think they're pretty smart. I mean, they know that not all the best players are going to Texas, that they've been going to Texas A&M and, and Texas A&M has been stockpiling talent. And yet they're still not able to break through in the, in the sec. You hear anything from anyone? Um, I know a lot of it was kind of a grand scale type of thing, just about what do you think of OU coming in and like that whole situation. But did you, was there anything, any little nuggets you took away from anyone in particular that was maybe a different response than you expected? I mean, Paul Feinbaum, he basically took a shot at Iowa State for no good reason. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, he's being Paul Feinbaum. He's a caricature. I mean, he's 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 you know pandering to the SEC folks. That's what he does. He needs those callers to call in and you know fight with each other. Uh, he needs the craziness, and I mean, he definitely you know basically said he's hearing things that it's not going so well for Brent Venables and North. Yeah. He went six and seven last year, Paul. You don't, you don't need to talk. You don't need to hear that. I mean, you can look at the, look at the games last year. I mean, my God, like I'm hearing things, but that's a, Paul. you know, that's, that's your Colin Coward, Paul Feinbaum, you know, troll job of the day. One of the things that a lot of OU fans loved hearing coming out of the SEC media days was what Josh Heupel had to say about, his relationship with Oklahoma and it not being complicated. What'd you think of what hype had to say? Because I mean, you're buying it because there's, there's definitely still something there, you know? Well, I mean, 
in a sense, there's truth to that in that, you know, the, the fans here uh, that rooted for him, that, you know, the people, uh, you know, that he, you know, coached with and that are still in the coaching ranks. Clearly there's issues there with he and Bob and probably Joe C as well. I mean, um, I know there's issues with Bob. I mean, I, you know, I, it's one of those things like I want to know what I can do because like, how can I help put these two back together? Because Josh is the first recruit I ever spoke to like early on in my career. He's the first kid I ever called and said, you know, and I think he was already on campus at the time, but we were just doing like, I was working for Sooners Illustrated back then. And so we were doing our, you know, yearly recruiting wrap up and we had to get interviews with all the, the recruits and uh, he's the, he, they're like, call this guy. And I don't think anybody thought like Josh Heupel was going to be the star, or, you know, that he was going to come in here and, and change Oklahoma football. Um, so they like put the young kid on it. Like I call this Heupel kid from, from South Dakota or wherever the hell he's from. Uh, and, but like, you know, and you know, Josh, I mean, you guys know Josh, Teddy, you know, I mean, he's not, he's, he's a pretty introverted guy, just, you know, naturally. Um, and, you know, I think, I remember talking to Josh, like his dream was to one day replace Bob Stoops as the head coach at Oklahoma. And, you know, for things to go down the way they did and, 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 you know, to, to be let go and to have someone else come in that had a lot more success and was able to kind of, you know, run things as his own, you know, just be left alone and run his offense. I think, you know, there'll always be some bitterness from Josh about how that ended. Uh, At the same time, I think Bob says, you know what? It was a tough decision. He's doing well. He's also got to realize our offense got a lot better when we switched to Lincoln Riley too. So, I mean, they both are coming from it at different, you know, points and, and it was a difficult thing that happened to both of them, but they, they both moved on to, and Josh is having great success. So, I mean, I hope that if there is some bitterness there that it can kind of fade and these two can, you know, be cordial with each other again. Well, I'm, I I don't I don't I think Bob is at that point where he's he's willing to make whatever concessions he can make with Josh uh, so that they can get along and, and and maybe, you know, rebuild that, you know, relationship. But I think Josh has to kind of get over, you know, not not saying get over it, Josh, but like whatever hurt he has, he, it, he that needs to fade a little bit, I think, before that can happen. And I think. Uh- just personally, I think that that will happen whenever he comes and coaches on the other sideline. And because I imagine he they're going to do something. I don't know what exactly it would be, you know, have some type of tribute. The ovation he's going to get from the fans will be amazing. He'll have all kinds of former teammates will be in town. I mean, it's going to be an ordeal. And I think that's going to replace his last memory. Right? His last memories are you know, the whole, you know, the getting fired and like you never, it's always, you never want to go back into that situation, whether you're embarrassed of it or however you feel about it. But whenever you go there and realize that it's over, no one thinks about that anymore and you're celebrated. I think that's the way that you start that, you know, movement to get those guys back together. At least that's, I hope. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's a different building now than the one that he walked out of for the last time. I mean, things have changed so much on campus. Um, you know, by the time he gets here, you might have, you know, a, a football complex being built in the background. So um, maybe it will be a, an indicator to him like, yeah, t- a lot of time has gone. It'll be 10 years. I mean, Been since, years. you know, since he, he was let go. Okay. 
I will say this, though. It does make for, and I know that some people are worried about this because Roy's going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and, you know, I know Bob wants Josh to be a part of that. So, you know, how does that happen? Like, does Josh stay away from Roy's induction because he's uncomfortable being around Bob? And, and you know. I, they were out there together in Vegas. Well, that was, you know, I, I, I hesitate saying this because I have had discussions with Bob about, you know, some of this stuff. He doesn't want me, you know, he didn't want to go on the record or anything, but I know he appreciated very much uh, that Josh came up to him in Vegas, tapped him on the shoulder and said, congratulations. And then he walked off. I mean, he didn't stick around from what you know Bob told me, but he, that was a really big thing, I think, for Bob to kind of be like, let's, let's try and fix this if we can. Yeah. I, I think we can all agree. It's time, right? Yeah. It, it's time. Yeah. And just, it, it'd be best for everyone involved. Right. It, I mean, it's just weird. Cause it, it like, just personally, it hurts. Like just being around both of those for my entire career, watching Josh's coaching tenure, like it hurts to, to know that that's a strained relationship still. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Now the lifeblood of Sooner Scoop is recruiting. I mean, that's how it's been for a long time. I have to imagine the board has been good lately, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I have to imagine the board's lit up after the Taylor Tatum commitment. Just no, how exciting and how big is that? Right? A five star running back. I mean, it's been a while, man. I mean, you know, it shows you that DeMarco's doing a great job. And, you know, he it's so funny too, because he was in limbo, you know, when Lincoln left. Like was he going to go to USC with Lincoln? Was he, did he have a job here? If he stayed, he wanted to be here. He, uh, I think he and Kale, you know, they were the ones that stepped up and really spearheaded the recruiting, uh, when nobody was here, you know, when, when, before they hired Brent. So it's, it is a moment to, I think you should take a moment to really recognize DeMarco Murray and the job that he's done. Uh, not, you know, not just as a recruiter, but, but a coach and a developer, because right now that stable looks really stocked and, and, you know, there's, there's more coming than just what's on the roster right now, including Tatum. Well, I think it's interesting. And, and this is just recruiting. Whenever you look at it across the board, like, you know, that one came down to the final two Oklahoma and USC. Um, you know, the, the Jaden Jackson kid is, you know, Florida and Texas. And I don't know, was Ohio state in there? I think, yeah. Like, it feels like almost every battle now we're up against the right people. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't very long ago that we were not winning very many recruiting competitions against those schools at, you know, we would at maybe some skill spots like wide receiver and quarterback, but really nowhere else were we winning those recruiting battles. Yeah. And, you know, that's the, that's the one thing, you know, you mentioned, um, the Jaden kid, like he's a three-star, but you look at his offer list. And whenever I see offer lists like that, I'm like, I don't care what star he has. Tells you a little bit more than the rating. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, But like, you know, that's the thing about the SEC and, and, you know, that, that term are, you know, is Oklahoma SEC ready? It's in the trenches where, where to me on the field, when he comes to the X's and O's where you're SEC ready based on how good you are on both sides of the line, you know, how deep you are. Uh, how talented you are on the defensive line. Uh, and so, you know, it's Todd Bates time. It's his time. And, you know, there's the big names that are still out there, David Stone and, and, and uh, 
you know, the, the Nigel kid and, and, you know, they already lost out on the, the, the other kid, but I mean, those are two really big names, uh, Nigel Smith and, and David Stone that make this recruiting class go from really good to great. And that also gets you SEC ready. If you can sign two guys like that. What, what are you guys hearing? And I know that, you know, Josh McQuistion is the one that is really on top of the recruiting stuff and is talking to a lot of the prospects, but what are you guys hearing from these recruits about Venables and the staff as recruiters? Like, is it, are you guys hearing a bunch of positive feedback about the way that they're going about it? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, they're doing so well. I think it, when you see it, you know, what Brent brings and what his staff brings and what Todd Bates brings is, you know, I've been told this for years. Uh, it's always about relationships in recruiting and, these are guys that are really good at building relationships, not just with the player, but with the family, with the coaches, with the trainers. Uh, there's no you know, stone they'll leave unturned in, in order to build a better relationship with a recruit. And, you know, I know Brent knew that coming in, but you bring in Todd Basin, Miguel Chavis, this guy that's learning that um, it, on the defensive side of the ball, the reason they can go six and seven and be attracting all these players is because they believe, I mean, they believe in these guys and, and they have the personalities to, to build those relationships so that they, you know, build that trust that, you know, we're going to turn this thing around and you're going to be a part of it. And, you know, it's just like with Tatum. I mean, then you add in the SEC and he mentioned that when he, you know, he announced his commitment that playing in the SEC, playing both baseball and football is, you know, something that was a real, you know, kind of decision turner for him. Where do you, how, how do you compare like the overall recruiting with the last regime and like, how do you think why with the trajectory it's on? And I mean, that, that probably you have to get into think of what, what this season may hold record wise, but like, how does it compare to where it was before? And where do you think this thing can end up if like the football goes according to plan? Yeah. Okay. Comparing it to kind of the last regime, I mean, Obviously, you know, they did a lot of good things and, and signed, you know, if Lincoln had stayed here, he would have continued to recruit really well. Um, you know, I see like, you know, the Perry on Winfrey thing that happened and the Jordan Addison speeding thing that happened over the weekend or this last week. And it makes me think like, okay, well, they were really good at getting these players in, but you look at like the three five-star receivers that are no longer here and Trajan Bridges and Theo Weiss and uh, Jaden Hazelwood, like that was the thing about that former staff is they could get some of those guys, but they didn't either develop them or they lost, you know, they, they lost them to the portal or transfer or whatever. Um, they never could really keep those guys happy. And, or you, you know, you kind of, and that that forced him to kind of take chances. I mean, we all heard, you know, stuff that was going on with Perrion when he was playing here. Uh, I don't know if Perrion ever would have survived under Brent Venables. Like, he might have gotten kicked off the team for some of the stuff that went on. Uh, then he gets to the NFL, and it's like no one was surprised when they found out he was released because of off-the-field behavior. Um, so I, I think there was there's an attention to detail with this staff that wasn't there with the last staff. Uh, I think it's you see more evaluation now. We'll find out if that works, you know, for Brent, but like the, the preferred walk-on stuff is, it comes at much greater 
frequency with this staff than the last staff. Um, is there 40 walk-ons now? Something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's, it's, they said there's over 120 players, right? Yeah. It's, it's insane. I mean, the numbers trying to figure them out is insane. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's like, you know, kids are, they're figuring out like, I'm going to enter the portal. And then they have to be told like, well, there's no portal right now. You can't just do whatever you want anymore. So I don't know how all this works out. Like it's, it's crazy, but I mean, they are turning, like I said, turning over every freaking rock that they can to just try and find a guy. I mean, that they, they think could be something and, you know, it's like they can kind of let those guys go. If, if they don't turn out to be, it's, it's kind of a no risk, you know, situation when you offer that many preferred walk-ons, except I'm pretty sure you have to have a roster of 105 when the season starts. I'll have to figure it out. They'll figure it out when it's still a rule. I mean, I don't know. There's not a lot of rules anymore, but I think that's still one. Yeah. Well, I've lost track of the rules, so I'm not, I'm not concerned about it. Now, when you look at what last season was, you know, what they brought in, in the off season, what, what are your, what are your expectations for OU this season? Like as we sit right now with the way that the roster looks, knowing that it was six and seven a year ago, like how are you feeling about OU football right now? Is it, I mean, is it wrong? Because everybody's caught up in number of wins. And I think if the things go right that you want to see, nine or ten wins should be no problem. My main thing that I'm looking for is, you know, I want to see if this defense can can show some flashes of dominance. I want to see if those linebackers get it figured out. And I'm even including Danny Stutzman in there. Um, and I know, you know, our people are always like, Teddy said this about the linebackers. So I'm talking to the expert here. Um, you know, whether, you know, what Jared Canick does, where he is, you know, uh, what McCullough does, like where, like, I just want to see that front seven look like something that we haven't seen since, you know, the 2010s. I mean, it's, it's like, I just want to see a defense start to feel like it's a, an Oklahoma defense an early Bob Stoops, Oklahoma defense again. And then offensively, yeah, you just want to see them work out that stuff with the the time management and the the you know the the tempo and all that stuff. Like, I think if all that gets worked out and you you're playing defense, I feel pretty good that this team can easily win nine games and should win ten games. Yep, I think one of the most interesting things about the upcoming season is how different it's going to be for the offense, knowing that they are in a much better position at backup quarterback than they were a year ago. Yeah. What does that mean for the offense? And I, what do you think? What have you heard? What do you expect of the role that Jackson Arnold has in the offense? I mean, not forget injury or anything like that. Just as they come out of the gate, is he going to be a piece of what they do? You know, that to me, I was thinking about that driving back from Nashville, like, Dylan Gabriel's last year, um, you know, is it is it almost like one of those things like they're recruiting promises until you get on campus and then everything changes? Like, do you find a way to get Jackson Arnold some series here and there during the season, even even every game? Like, I'm not talking like a belldozer, you know, type deal on the goal line, but like, you know, just give him a series. Almost like they did out. last year with the twos. Yeah. But Dylan yeah. stayed out there, right? Well, they did that a lot with the, you know, yeah, I mean, they would do that. I don't know. You know, I was so surprised last year that they did not 
sub out receivers as often as they did because they just they went with with Farouk and Mims and and Drake most of the time, uh, and you know nobody else really played that much. So I I just don't feel like Levy is a guy that really plays the development game in the middle of the season, or, or maybe that was and maybe that you could say that's you know uh, on Washington last year being a young coach not wanting people out there that are going to mess up. I don't know, but that's all we have to go. And, you know, running back, it was like, you really didn't see saw Chuck until the bowl game. And then you saw him and you're like, wow, why didn't we see more of that? Um, but, you know, Eric Gray had a good year. So I, to me, that's a, that's a huge question. Like I, I think it would going into the sec, I would like, you know, as a, you know, just someone that puts on a, a, you know, a, a GM hat or whatever, like, I to play armchair GM, I would like to see Jackson Arnold get some, you know, get some series in games. And, you know, in the first half, in the second half, maybe just do one series, a half or but you know, they've got to, they've got to run a better offense than they ran last year. So it's it's gonna do no good if he goes out there and threes and out three three and outs at every time either. Yeah. We'll we'll see the the number of young guys that get on the field, I, I do think that's going to be an interesting piece of this whole thing this season. Okay. You guys made a very significant decision at Sooner Scoop. You left rivals. You went to on three. I think this could lead to an interesting discussion about how college football is being covered from a media standpoint, but we can take this as deep as you want it to go. But what, what all went into that decision and, how difficult was that decision for you guys? I mean, it was, it was long. I mean, you know, Gabe, I mean, you kind of, I don't know. I think maybe I've been kind of kept a lot of stuff from you while that was going on uh, more than usual, but um, you know, it was, it was about a six month process where we talked to everybody, you know, 24 seven came after us uh, on three came after us. Rivals knew that we were talking to people and they, they, you know, we gave them every opportunity, um, you know, to, to do the things that we wanted to do, but look, Shannon Terry is a guy, he's, he's, he's as big a visionary as this industry's had. He started rivals. He started 24 seven. Now he's doing on three and he is, you know, really plugged into the NIL space. And, you know, a big part of on three uh, is working with, you know, players on NIL and being leaders in that industry. But yeah, I think it was the best way to say it is just, you know, we had our time at rivals. Um, I have no bad, hard feelings, nothing bad to say. I think they would say the same thing. Um, it's kind of one of those things. I'm never going to be mad at people that paid me a bunch of money, uh, regardless if I'm still there or not. So I don't know how you feel about NFL teams, guys, but like, I can't really hate on someone that helped me, you know, make a living for 20 years or, you know, 18 years, whatever it was. Um and there, I think there are real, a lot of really good people at Rivals that are, you know, do a lot of really good work. I just think, you know, on three had the best vision moving forward. We didn't just want to be a, a content farm where we're just cranking out contents to get clicks. Uh, we care about the subscription business. That's why we hired George Stoya, um, you know, one of the best young writers in the country. Uh, he wanted to get back to college football and I knew moving to on three would allow us to, to bring him on board with, you know, extra resources and just kind of, you know, how I view media. Um, whereas rivals was strictly a subscription business and we could go out and do things on our own. And we did, I mean, 
we had, you know, we started building these offices on campus corner before we ever left uh, rivals. But I just believe that media is headed in a direction uh, and Andy Staples, you know, talked to him a little bit this week. He feels kind of the same way. Uh, you see like the athletic just kind of giving up on, on beat riders and letting them go or, or moving them elsewhere. Uh, you see all these major national outlets kind of treating college football as a secondary sport uh, because, the, you know, it, it's all just about media rights and not so much about coverage. And there's so many fans out there and so much passion for college football. Uh, it's just like you guys starting the podcast. I mean, you know, this. people, uh, they consume content in so many different ways now. And it's not just, you know, newspapers or radio or, you know, a, a five minute newscast at the end of the night on, you know, NBC or ABC. I mean, they're on YouTube. They're on, you know, they're on uh, podcasting platforms. They're on Twitch. They're, you know, they're, they're consuming content in all these different ways. And I thought on three was the best way for us to continue kind of building this out to where we're not just a, a subscription based website. We're not just a YouTube channel. We're not just a podcast. Uh, and we're going to keep exploring things. So that was, you know, I felt like on three was the best place for us to be able to kind of do that. And and the, they understood, nobody really understands where the media is going with all this. It's just like ESPN right now. I mean, they're trying to figure out their plus stuff versus, um, you know, what kind of anchors they need or who, who should they be employing? I mean, they've had massive layoffs. Like, like everyone's trying to figure out all these different content spaces and where to be. Uh, and locally, I think if you're not like that, you're dying because you can't just be a radio show. You can't just be a newspaper anymore. How big's the move to the SEC been for you guys? And is that going to fuel the growth more and more as, as we really get into it? Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be bigger once OU is not six and seven. I mean, you know, I think that's been. What I've the- noticed from SEC teams, unlike the big 12, the big 12, OU fans consume OU content. Mm-hmm. Kansas State fans consume Kansas State content. It is not like that in the SEC. If you play an SEC school, like the weeks and even months leading up to it, you can see them digitally consuming your content. So I feel like that's there's going to be some growth there from that. Yeah, I mean, there is. And I think, you know, the one thing about the, the move, I think, it's like we had some people like, why are you guys at SEC media days? Like, why don't you just cover, you know, other stuff? And it's like, you know, this is what we're covering. I mean, it's like a big deal. It's going to be a big deal a year from now. Uh, and, and, you know, it's just I think as it gets closer, it gets to become a bigger deal. But you know how it is. I mean, this has kind of become the new realignment is talking about, you know, OU's move to the SEC and what's going to happen to the Pac-12. And, um, you know, and I certainly think that, you know, the big 12 is in good hands with Brett Yormark. Uh, and I think the league will be fine, but you know, OU did what they had to do. Texas did what they had to do. And after being at sec media days, I totally get it. Like it's a monster. The sec is a monster in, in the way that the big 12 was never going to be. And I mean, they're adding the two tent pole, you know, teams from the big 12 and it's, it's not an afterthought, but it's just, a, it's an addition. Like they already have two teams that are performing at a higher level than than Oklahoma and Texas. Yep. Well, I hope you had a fun time in Nashville. Thanks for taking the time, buddy. 
Love you. I'm sorry you weren't there. I, you know, you should have been there. Listen, the the two year old and three month old did. Hey, honey, can I go to Nashville for a couple days? <laughs> How do you think that would have gone for me? Carrie? I could tell Jared had to get. Uh, he had to get uh, guy night passes because the family was nowhere to be found. <laughs> yeah, it it is what it is. Ne- hey, next year Dallas, that's easy, baby. It'll be awesome. I'm lucky. I, I love the Omni. I mean, I, and that's the thing. It's like the big 12. I hated how they separated like the media hotel from the event, you know, because it's just like that. The media hotel was where they had sec media days in Nashville. It was the, the grand Hyatt. Uh, and it just makes it so much more pleasurable. Like, you know, you're in your room, you come down, you do everything. Uh, you go back to your room. It makes it a bigger deal going out on the town, you know, at night. So I'm definitely looking forward to, you know, SEC media days in Dallas versus Big 12 where, you know, sitting there at the cavernous Jerry world. Yeah. You and me both, brother. Thanks for the time, buddy. Appreciate you. All right, guys. The SEC move is going to be sweet. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the, um, like, the Dallas media day is going to be awesome. It's going to be a frenzy down there. It's really cool. And, you say what you want. Maybe it's annoying to admit it, but everything is going to be bigger and better. It it absolutely is. All you got to do is look at what Carrie and them are doing at Sooner Scoop. Yeah, like that thing that thing is rapidly expanding. It's impressive. So appreciate him joining us. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA Athletics, where they've won over 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, Contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica compares coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business Insurica's goal is to help you avoid a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and control your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. As always, Ted kicks off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Got to go with the open champion, uh, Brian Harmon. Pretty impressive stuff to step in there when you're first major at, what, 36 years old and do it in pretty uh, dominating fashion. That's big time. Short king. Yeah. Short king. And now, in in, in multiple ways, not a tall guy. No. Right? Not a tall guy. Not a long hitter off the tee either. No. And that's what... I'm a, I was under the impression you got to be you got to be really long off the tee to win these days. That dude's putting was insane. 
if you make everything you look at, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, it doesn't matter how long you hit it off the tee. That was the putting display was, I mean, it was unbelievable, dude. Everything. Every, everything inside 10 feet. What did he miss? One or two putts the entire week inside 10 feet? It was, I mean, it was nuts. Yeah, it's incredible. And he did it in in poor weather with a partisan crowd not behind him, uh, which was pretty funny. But um, I just to be able to go out there, stare it down, your first major. What's that, the first uh, or the oldest to win a first major since Sergio did it a couple yeah. years ago? Um, 36 years old, like. Your your best is supposed to be pretty far behind you at thirty six. So to be able to go out there with that field, which was was really good, it was awesome to see Jason Day, you know, coming in there and and putting up a nice number as well. It's been a while for him, but yeah, that's awesome for that dude. That's to kind of come out of nowhere. What I say, one hundred twenty five to one to go in there and win. Yeah, a uh, couple things. Did you see he did a press conference after, and he said. On Saturday, one of the reasons, you know, one of the ways he kind of, he he bogeyed and he kind of like snapped back into things because some guy was like, hey, Harmon, you don't have the stones to go win. <laughs> and he was That's like, well, that guy funny. said that it just kind of brought me back, which I thought was pretty interesting. And he, he yeah. gave the guy credit. He was like, yeah, I needed that. It was great. I can imagine whenever you're out there playing their you know, cause since you're not necessarily up against anyone, I can see that that maybe you just at one point you're just kind of moving along, obviously doing your best, but just moving along until like something like that can get you back in a competitive fire, you know, where you actually feel like you're out there competing. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I like that story. What what did you think of the waggle counter? We I didn't see that. How did you miss it? They I don't they know. really NBC and from what I understand, oh yeah, you have Direct TV, so you missed it. Yeah, boy, well, there are some people in Oklahoma that are not happy with KFOR. My good and Direct TV. Woo, boy. Yeah, I don't know what's behind all that, but I had to watch. I had to do it streaming on on Peacock, which it just the experience sucks on streaming. It still sucks. And some are better than others. Peacock is garbage, at least in my experience, but maybe that's a, a me problem, but yeah. So I didn't, I didn't get to see is a lot. Like I wasn't just sitting there running in the background all weekend on all the TVs. So I had to like pick my moments to sit down and watch the, the waggle counter for Harmon was one of the funnier things I've ever seen on the golf broadcast. And I actually think that because it was, I, I mean, the dude just, I mean, he looks and waggles like 10 times before he hits the ball. I think I saw one where it got the counter got up to 13. Wow. And it was obviously something a lot of people were talking about on social media. So I think the people at NBC said, Hey, you know what? Get in on this. Let, let's lean in. Right. We, we all know this is a bit annoying. It's a bit ridiculous, but. Let's count it. Let's let's do it up. And I thought it worked. It was I don't know. It just it was kind of funny because they'd show the waggle counter and then he did a, hit an awesome shot and everyone was like, "Well, uh, <laughs> what are you going to do?" do? <laughs> I mean, 
The guy's going to waggle as many times as he need to if he keeps hitting the ball dead straight. There's a direct correlation between waggles and results. I like that. Something yeah. we can uh, maybe implement. And Azinger was trying to make it sound like Harmon was a crazy person. He's like, he he can't get control of his mind. It's <laughs> just like, listen, man, just can we can we cheer for the guy? It's okay if he goes and wins. There can be some. It's okay to be able to uh, go through some mental battles on the way out there. That's there's nothing wrong with that. The, I'd say that he accomplished it. Like he 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 got the better over the mental battle. He got the better of it. Yeah, absolutely. That was, but yeah, there wasn't a ton of drama, not a ton of excitement on no. Sunday, which is what is what we want. But that doesn't mean that we're not happy for Brian Harmon. It's just we we want to be entertained. I mean, now if Harmon was our buddy or something, yeah, we'd be thrilled. But we just want to watch it come down to the last couple holes, which it did not. Does it make it more difficult? I think it kind of does for me. When the weather is dreary and rainy and awful, and there's someone that's got a pretty firm five or six stroke lead coming down the, the back, I think that makes it even more difficult when the weather's crap, right? Yeah. Yeah, unless the guy just can't handle the weather, which right. he had, he had no issues. Man, some of those shots, those guys were hitting out of that crap, uh, the tall grass that was just soaked with water. We'd see like a big cloud of mist on contact and still hit these great shots. It's just incredible, man. Yeah, but my favorite parts about the rain golf, turning the hat backwards when they putt. That's so you should get that's, the drips. Yeah. <laughs> that's by far the best visual. And then Jason Day, he just said, I'm ditching the hat. He went no hat, which is so weird to see a, a professional golfer go without go hatless. It was I was uh, and he was in contention, right? So they were showing him a lot. I was just like, I, I can't get used to this. They all have the like the forehead tan line, you know, from wearing the hat nonstop. Pretty funny. Just insane. <laughs> All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? I had to go with now I know the uh the sale is final and all of the the details are out there but I had to go with um Washington football fans because you've been the Redskins, you've been the Washington football team, you've been the Commanders and now I guess the new group is considering a, another name change. I mean, what are you going to do with all of your gear? You swapping gear like every two or three years now. You're just you're making purchases. You're saving up and buying new jerseys. But yeah, I saw that, and I, I think Washington fans will gladly buy the new gear because Dan Snyder is gone. They are, they are no longer controlled by arguably the worst owner in sports. So looks like a good group too. Yeah. I think. I think good things are going to happen there. At least feels like it. They paid a huge sum for it, but we'll see. I, I don't know that there's ever been a fan base who hates their owner as much as the Washington fans. It's been ongoing for some time. It's, it really is remarkable that they've hated him for as long as they have. I know, <laughs> but they really have had no reasons to love him. You know? nope. nope it's been a disaster and uh we'll see i don't know they've got a they've got a couple of good young assets and some good stuff to build behind and 
maybe the new, um, you know, everyone coming together now that the the person that they all hated, there's going to be a, a better positive energy around the place, right? Yeah, maybe uh, maybe spirits will be up. Do, any any name change you'd prefer if they do end up changing it, which kind of sounds. Who was it, Magic Johnson, that said that that was yeah. going to be on the table? I believe. Yeah. I I don't know. I thought Washington football team was the best, but I don't know what they're going to do. I, they may do a full-on, a total change and change colors and change everything about it. You can't it to, change the colors, can you? I don't know. If you can change the name, you can change the colors. That would be a big shift, like going away from the color scheme. I know. Yeah, no. Like if you really want to start the whole thing over, which I don't know if that's something that they're they're interested in or not, but a, a total, you know, from the from the top down rebranding. Man, I hadn't even really thought of that. That'd be something. Yeah. Then It'd be like an expansion team. Yeah, but then I gotta imagine a lot of people that didn't buy the new gear would just show up in their old gear, and then it would look ridiculous in the stands. Yeah, that's true. But That's hey, true. if you're gonna if you're gonna go all in on the rebrand, yeah, I didn't even think about changing the color scheme. That would be I don't think they'll do it's that. It's a they good color scheme though. I yeah, like it's a color good color scheme. scheme. Yeah. But that dark maroon and gold, yeah, it looks good. It looks good. But hey, you never know. Nope. You never know when the new owner new owner syndrome. Listen, they own the team. We gotta they'll do, do what it they want. different. We gotta yeah. do it different we we're just going really, completely away from it there's got to be a line in the sand of whenever past ownership new ownership yeah that'd be <laughs> that'd be one way of doing it all right let's get to my winner and loser but first john vance auto group has been serving oklahomans for 40 years they're family owned and operated and they've got nine full service dealerships in woodwork miami and guthrie no matter what your vehicle needs are john vance auto group has you covered they carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. Buy a new or used car from them. Then all you have to do is get all of the manufacturer-recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with the Oklahoma City Thunder. First, you sign Mark Dagnall to a contract extension, and then Oklahoma City Mayor David Holt comes out some exciting news about the uh, building the new arena, Ted, that is kind of your, that is your arena. If you will, not going to have to raise taxes above their current levels and thunder ownership going to pay for some of it. So I feel like 
if there were still some people on the fence when it comes to voting yes, that that would give them the nudge that maybe they needed. That that, that was exciting news. Yeah, I, it is. Um, I don't know a whole lot about the plants, but you've heard this. This has kind of been a, a slowly growing and building ordeal that's gone on. And I don't know. I I think that if you were to do something like that and do something new and um, right at the same time as your team's like really starting to ramp up, I think the timing could be really good if they were able to uh, get moving on it and pull it off. That would be awesome. Yeah, the the timing feels like it's going to end up being very, very good for, you know, a new NBA arena, mm-hmm. right? When you think back to the Ford Center and what became Chesapeake, what is now Paycom, that was not an NBA-specific arena. Right. right? And now you've got all this young town, talent in the organization, and if you can time that with building a new arena – it could work out perfectly. It could be the exact opposite, which of what is about to happen in Los Angeles with the Clippers. It feels like where, yeah. Do, who do you think, where do you think that maybe they would, I, I don't know that they would look at it, but have you been to any in like fairly new NBA specific arenas and like, how are they different? And you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what does that kind of look like? Golden from, State's one, but yeah, from, from my understanding, it's all just about like square footage. Mm-hmm. Like and being able to maximize the things you can put in the arena, not only for NBA games but for concerts and like the revenue you generate off of all of that stuff. It's about yeah. maximizing the options to bring in different forms, you know, different revenue streams. Some like the concert arena. tours are elim- like you're eliminated from some of those just right out of the gate, right? Yeah, and the focus on this obviously the Thunder, but I mean just from reading some responses from people like the the concerts that would now become possible like for Oklahoma City if they have a state of art arena like that I mean it'd be it'd just be great for the city mm-hmm. and if you haven't watched David Holt's uh, state of the city address he paints a very clear picture of how important it has been throughout Oklahoma City's history right like how important of an economic driver having a good arena has been yeah. Right. So I, I think it's a no brainer. I think the citizens of Oklahoma city, like that vote is going to come and I think they're going to step up and, and pass. I think it's, I think it's undoubtedly gonna, gonna move forward. So I, I'm excited, man. It should be fun. Yep. That'll be awesome. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. I also thought about going with movie theaters. Now it's been a long time since I can remember around the like the hype that is around movie theaters right now with Barbie and Oppenheimer. I mean, now I've got a two-year-old and a three-month-old. I'm not going to the movies anytime soon, but people seem really excited about those movies. So good for movie theaters. That's good. Yeah. I can't remember. Well, it's been a long time since I've been to a movie theater. I used to love going to the movies too. My wife and I used to go at least once a week, at least. And gosh, we haven't been in a long time. Got to get maybe. back. Yeah, Gotta let's get, get back. back. Let's get back. But my winner of the weekend, I'm going with soccer in America. So, first of all, you had the U.S. women's national team. They t- took care of business. Now, they didn't they didn't destroy Vietnam quite as badly as we thought they would. But, hey, a 3-0 win in the World Cup opener is a 3-0 win, right? So, fired up for that. And also, 
big time matchup on Wednesday against Netherlands. Remember, that's who they beat in the World Cup final back in 2019. So Netherlands going to want some revenge and the U.S. women's national team is going to want to send a statement. So I am, I'm looking forward to that one. And then, dude, how, how cool was that messy goal? I mean, just insane. That was, that was so cool. Just beautiful. Bend it around the, the wall, upper corner, what plus time. I exactly, you could not draw up a debut any better than that, right? Oh my gosh. The MLS, Inter Miami, what Apple, they were all going, oh my gosh, this couldn't have gotten, this couldn't have gone any better for us. That crowd was going insane, even though the clip I saw, Kim Kardashian wasn't even watching it, which of course she wasn't. <laughs> Serena Williams was paying attention, so that's all that matters. But I, I do not watch a lot of MLS, right? But I was watching that one. It just an insane moment for for that league, right? I I don't even know if you can measure how important that is for him moving forward. That was that was incredible the way that that thing unfolded. Well, I it, it hasn't been that long, but I'm guessing that's already the most watched. MLS clip of all time, right? Oh, has to be. There's will no, be no doubt shortly. about it. Um, and if that doesn't kind of announce the new stage that they want to be on, I don't know. I don't know what else would like. I guarantee everyone that was behind like that deal and getting him him here, they had to just like. Uh, can you imagine how thrilled they are to like? They had to just turn to look at each other. It's like this is it. This is why we did it. And for that to happen, like right out of the gate is just amazing storybook. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking at it on the MLS's Twitter right now. 53.3 million views Ooh, yeah. on that tweet of Messi's goal. Uh, Wait till Messi retweets it. Yeah. yeah. Wait till he puts <laughs> it on his Instagram. Yeah, where like half yeah. the world falls over whatever. Yeah. Oh no. But American soccer, just a, a great weekend. Yep, very Great good. Great weekend. All right, for my loser of the weekend, I thought about going with Florida A&M football players. Did you see this whole thing? I did. I did. Their head coach, Willie Simmons, has suspended all team activities because some of his players allowed the rapper Real Boston Richie, not going to lie, not familiar with his work, to record a music video in their locker room without the proper p- permission and. I'm sure Coach Simmons was not happy about his players letting him into the locker room, but it seems like he was even less pleased with the lyrics of the song, which I won't lie. I've watched the video a couple times. Catchy beat. There's no (laughs) doubt about it. Catchy beat. I get it. But yeah, the lyrics are, they're not safe for work. And I could see Coach Simmons not wanting this guy to be wearing all Florida A&M football gear inside the locker room while he's saying some of this stuff. It was, I mean, I, I've never heard of anything like this. What a, what an interesting and kind of hilarious story. Interesting, hilarious. And I'll give it up to, uh, I'll give, give it up to the real Boston Richie. I, I don't know if anyone ever would have seen his music video anywhere. I don't know how big he is, but now everyone's going to see it. 
right? Everyone I watched knows it twice. Who the real Boston Richie is at this point. So on his end, what does he care about Florida AM uh football operations? Doesn't care at all. Um, he's got himself a viral video. Yeah, well, he performed at their spring game. So clearly there's a relationship ah, there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a relationship there. But yeah. Um I and I don't think this suspension of team activities is going to last that long. Or I, I assume it's not going to, but just kind of a funny story, you know? Hey, right. they let, they let a guy film a rap video in the facility. Didn't tell their coach and the coaches, <laughs> the coach just got a pissed. You know? Oh, I, here's the other thing. It's like he performed at the spring game. I thought we had a good relationship with the guy. You know, I thought we were, we were okay with him. That's why we let him in. No big deal. I, I have to imagine Willie Simmons went, guys, don't you think you should have just asked? Yeah. They were probably thinking, hey, extra week off or so before training camp gets going. No big deal. Oh, they're put so they're they're playing chess, not checkers. They're like, yeah. hey, if we if we let him in here, then coach will suspend this stuff. We'll get a little break before we start camp. I like where your head's at. Yeah. Conspiracy Ted is back. That's right, but you know what that means? That running test is going to be done in pads after the first practice instead of uh, before you say goodbye for the summer workouts. Oh, boy. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers to all our all our guys at Florida A&M. My goodness. All right, but my loser of the weekend, and I think they're just fine, but the Kansas City Chiefs, right? They've still got Mahomes, right? So they're all good. But which by the way, you watching that quarterback thing? It's fantastic. Really good. Yeah. It's my wife and I love it. And now I was Mariota's rookie year was my last year in Tennessee. Right. So we so we know him and his wife. So it's fun. Like there's that piece of it mm-hmm. that's fun for us. But also you got the best quarterback in the league in it. And then how likable is Kirk Cousins? Oh my God. I know. It's it is, I, I don't uh, know how you can watch that and not root for that guy. I know he is. He's like, it, I, I can't even really explain it. But yes, that you're you're exactly right. You kind of have to root for him after that. Just like an honest, good, all around dude. And the when when he's going through it with the ribs, and every time he's getting up, he's just like, Ugh. <laughs> but I. On, on the Mahomes side of things, one of the one of the parts I really like is like it shows the competitor that dude is. Yeah, and like that competitive drive, that edge. It's one of the things that it's one of the reasons he's so great. And I love they're they're do they did a really good job of of showing that piece of him without making him look, you know, yeah. like an a hole or anything like that. I thought I thought right. that they did a good job with that balance. But yeah, that dude likes winning, and he'll talk a little bit. I like it. But their best defensive player did not show up to training camp, mm. right? Chris Jones, he wants a new deal. So he isn't there right now. Uh, reports say they are, quote, far apart. And now he he's not a guy that needs to be at training camp, right? This is a veteran guy that's played a ton of football, but dude is a game record. Had 15 and a half sacks last year. That was the most for any defensive tackle. He was first team all pro. The guy completely changes how you have to game plan as an offensive line. I know that from experience. Like he is 
when you get in to the building and you start putting that game plan together, you go, Hey, where's 95. Yep. So this is, you know, them being far apart. It is what it is, but this is, this is not, not a guy that you want to play that, that much of hardball with, right? Like this is a guy you just got to pay. Right? I would think so. I mean, that's the way I would approach it, unless unless there's something else on their roster that they feel really, really, really good about, then I mean, typically whenever you've got a a defensive lineman like him, you keep him around. Right? I'd it, be shocked if they don't figure out a way to uh to 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 get closer on a deal at least and and he's one of those guys he's not at training camp i'm not worried about it right you know he big defensive tackle he he's going to figure out his his duties pretty quickly as to what he he needs to do but you know you do want him sharp coming into the season but i gotta imagine this is one that they end up finding a way to make a deal but you know i'm i really don't know their situation salary cap wise uh you know, th- that's one of the problems whenever you have a quarterback like Mahomes, right, the price tag is so big that it can really change your maneuverability on other guys on the roster. So, um, you know, it, it makes it difficult, but I imagine they're going to find a way. They have to, right? Just you can't let a, a stud defensive lineman go. Yeah, and – you know, some people are wondering, hey, are they going to trade him and get like a haul like they got for Tyreek Hill? And they're kind of comparing that situation. To me, it's not the same at all, right? You've got Mahomes on offense. He's a skill position maker. Yes. He he can make that wide receiver core good, right? Because he's that special. And they've got a great offensive line, right? Mahomes can't solve the problems in the interior of the defensive line if Chris Jones isn't there. Like, not even a guy as good as Patrick Mahomes can fix that. Right. He, he's not going to all of a sudden run out there on the field and start rushing the passer. So you, and I, I looked it up, I think I think Jones is the eighth or ninth highest paid defensive tackle. And now Aaron Donald is number one at $31 million per year. He's not going to get that. But you look at Quinnen Williams' new deal, he's at $24 million per year. My my guess is Jones wants something in between those two deals, right? 25 to 27 a year. And I think he's making 20 right now. So I we'll, we'll see where it ends up landing. I can't imagine they don't get a deal done before week one. But yeah, this is, you just, you cannot, you, you cannot not have him out there on the field. He's just too good, man. He's too good. Yeah. Do you know what the salary cap is? The total sure? number? Got yeah. no clue. I mean, you're talking about two hundred twenty four point eight million. Two twenty four. And I it, I'm I think you're probably right. I mean, they're gonna be bumping up around eighty million dollars, a third of that with just two players you know that's what makes it so difficult whenever you've got the quarterback making over 50 and 
Uh, you got to start making way more difficult decisions on down the roster. And uh, this is going to be one of them. I, you know, I, they're going to find a way to get it done. I would imagine, but there's going to be casualties because of that in the future. You know, there's just, just the way it goes. And, and the funny part is Mahomes is underpaid. Yeah. Cause as soon as he signed to that huge deal, everything else caught up with it instantly. Yeah. He's underpaid. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's probably absolutely no signed doubt. a bad deal, actually. Yeah. But I, I think he likes winning so much, and he's making so much off the field, right? Yeah. Endorsements, like he's on everything right now. So I, he's able to make ends meet with fifty plus million. Yeah, and I bet he's making like another fifteen or twenty. I, I actually, he, he could make I got no more idea. Than that. He could make as much as he, as busy as he wants to be with it. You know? That's true. I mean, he's he's fine, right? But it does it does become an interesting situation for the Chiefs and managing the cap. But I know this: you want Chris Jones to be happy, and you want him out there playing for your football team when the season rolls around. That's all I know. Yep. Andy Reid can say, "Hey, <laughs> the quote was kind of savage." By the way, I saw in the ESPN article about it. He said. If you're not here, we just keep moving. That's how we roll. I said, God dang. But he he he's not a normal player, man. I mean, he's just not. So yeah. I, I know he's getting up there, but the guy the guy was arguably the best interior defensive lineman in the entire league last year. Yep. And he was he was great down the stretch, too. Really good. Yeah. So I'm sure it'll all get worked out, but not ideal when your best defensive player doesn't show up to camp. Not what you're looking for. No. Hmm. Tough. On on that note, episode 338 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Wednesday. Reminder, Andy Staples going to join us. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff, right? Going to have a long combo with our man Staples. Uh, Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, channel 375. Hope you all have a fantastic week. And until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.